You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. And really, that's there's just great freedom in, in knowing that. Um, and we've kind of been talking about this whole theme of, you know, what true freedom looks like, because it really is one of the... Uh, messages. It's one of the themes of a book that Paul wrote uh, to one of the churches uh, back in his day called Galatians. And Paul's really overarching theme of that whole thing was there is freedom in Christ, a true, lasting, eternal freedom from, from anything and everything uh, in Christ. And so we've kind of been really touching on that, I think of uh, the scripture in Romans six fourteen. There, and, and here's what Paul says: Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. And we're going to get a little bit more into that um, this morning. But he's just saying you don't you don't live any longer under the demands, the commands, uh, the requirements of the law. Instead. You live under the freedom of God's grace. There is freedom in God's grace. Now, I kind of put up, if you want to go to that next slide there for me, um, I kind of put up this uh, two sides of this, and I kind of want to play off of this a little bit this morning, and, and I want you to first and foremost know something right up front. This is kind of my disclaimer to you this morning. I am preaching this morning. What I have to say to you this morning applies more to me than it will you. I am preaching more to myself this morning than I realized when I was working on this message during the week. I didn't really kind of have a sense why I was going in this direction, but as things kind of unfolded this week, I was like, oh God, you are so good. Because really what God was saying to me isn't really so much maybe what he needs to say to you as much as here's what God needed to say to me. Because here's the thing that happens for me. So I, I can only kind of come to you and tell you just my own personal experience, my own personal walk with the Lord and I kind of find myself in this tension all the time. I kind of find myself in kind of this tug of war between really walking in God, really walking in grace, really being able to walk in the good news because there's always in some form or fashion, there always seems to be this pull away from God, away from his grace, away from his good news. There's this pull back into rules, rituals, regulations, religion. There's always that tension for me. And that tension, a lot of times, it just kind of comes through uh, what I kind of talked about in prayer, and, and you know, interestingly, Callie mentioned that in the worship service, a lot of times it's just those internal conversations that either I'm having with myself, 
those internal conversations that sometimes it's just the devil talking in my ear. And there just are those times where, you know, I'm walking in God's goodness. I'm walking, and you can add to that, you know, I'm walking in the love of God. I'm feeling the joy of the Holy Spirit. I'm finding that freedom in Christ. And it just never fails at some point. I just start to feel this pull away from that back into rules, rituals, regulations, and religion. I can be reading my Bible and I can read it for 10 minutes and feel so blessed in what I've read. God will use a particular scripture to open my eyes to a new truth. And then what does the enemy do? Well, Jeff, if, if 10 minutes is good, why not 15? I mean, Jeff, if you're really that spiritual, if God's really talking to you so much in that, why not a half hour? You see how that kind of begins to work. There's just always that tension. Always, always, always you're going to have that tension. That tension between freedom in Christ and religion. So for me, a lot of times, those are just those internal messages, those internal conversations of my heart and of my mind. A lot of times, that can just be self-doubt. You know, if you were really a good pastor, blank, 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 wouldn't have happened. You know, Jeff, if you were really a better husband, if you were really a better parent, so you see, you'd be walking in all of this freedom. And there's always this pull, always this tension. Back to the work of the enemy. And again, Jesus said the enemy, he just seeks out to steal, kill, and destroy. So God gives you a word. You want to begin to walk in the freedom, the truth of that word. What does the devil do? He tries to come and to steal that word, to take it from you, to render it ineffective. So I have a suspicion some of you thought you were the only ones that happened to. No. It happens to all of us, me included. We can have these conversations that are self-sabotaging, you ever done anything to self-sabotage? I have. I think I'm going to lose weight. And then what do you do? You go and you fill the refrigerator, your cupboards with junk. Self-sabotage. I have these conversations in my head that are victimization conversations because I've been physically abused. I've been sexually abused. So I have these conversations of victimization in my head. You know what those conversations sound like? No one cares about me. No one knows what I've been through. 
I can't change anything, so why even try? So again, there, there's, there's all of this stuff that God is doing over here, and there's all of this stuff going on over here that's trying to pull me out of that freedom, that grace, that liberty that is mine in Christ, and to bring me back under bondage. I have those conversations in my head, in my heart, in my spirit all the time. Well, Pastor Jeff, if you were just a little bit more spiritual. Oh, okay. This is interesting because Paul, kind of thinking that maybe that's kind of what we would do to ourselves, we'd kind of just beat ourselves up and just say, well, if you just would try a little harder, if you were a little more spiritual, Paul gives this great example. And he says, you know what? This happened one time to a man named Peter. And Paul said, I had to call Peter out. So let me just kind of give you a little bit of the background. I think it's in Galatians chapter 2. Peter is in Antioch. And Peter is there. He's just there to kind of witness the glorious, beautiful work that God has done in bringing salvation, the good news to both Gentiles and Jews. Peter kind of saw himself as an apostle. He was kind of the preacher that was taking the good news to the Jewish nation. And they recognized and they honored Paul that Paul was the one who was taking the good news of the gospel to the Gentiles. And so Antioch was this really awesome community where on a weekly basis, they would come together as a church body. And they would have a kind of a potluck, what we would call it. People would bring food and they would share in a meal together. And then at some certain point, uh, as, as part of their, uh, they uh, uh, called it a love feast, part of what would happen in that love feast is after they're done eating, they would share in a time of communion where they would take the body the blood of Christ. They would, they would celebrate uh, communion together there as a community. And Peter heard about this great work that Paul was doing in, in bringing the Gentiles and the Jewish believers together. And, and he's creating this wonderful community of believers. And, and Peter wants to go and he wants to see this with his own eyes. And so he goes and he begins to participate in these weekly gatherings of, of these Jewish believers and these Gentile believers. And, and, and Peter's able to see with his own eyes what God is doing. And so he's, he does this for a while. And then one day at one of these weekly gatherings, some Jewish brothers, strict Jewish brothers, they called them Judaizers, they were the people that said, yeah, Gentiles, you, you can become a, a Christian, but you have to be baptized. Yeah, you can be a believer, but you have to obey all of the law. See, they were, they were walking in, the, in God, in, in grace, in the good news, and these Judaizers came in, and they're trying to pull them away from that into rules, rituals, regulation, religion. And so they, they come, and they infiltrate this weekly gathering, this beautiful coming together of the body of Christ, of which any other week, Peter sat and he ate 
with Gentile believers and, it, and loved it and believed it was the expression of God in, in that community for them to come together as one. Neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor bond slave or, or free. And, and, and Peter seeing this and celebrating what God is doing and all of a sudden these Judaizers come in and what does Peter do? He separates himself from those Gentile believers for fear of offending his Jewish brothers from Jerusalem, from offending those Judaizers, those ones that were coming in and trying to pull those believers out of God, out of the grace, out of the good news, back into rules, rituals, regulations, religion. And, and Peter went along with it. He felt that tension. And he gives into it. And not just him, but Barnabas. And, and other believers began to see what Peter was doing. And they too started to become pulled away from God, away from the grace, away from the good news, into the rules, the rituals, the regulations, the religion. And Paul called him out in front of everybody. Said, what are you doing? This isn't who Christ is. This isn't how the body of Christ should operate. What are you doing? Now I tell you that story because here's what I want you to understand. Peter was not a brand new believer. Peter had not just been a Christian for a week. By this time, Peter was born again he was spirit-filled. He was preaching the gospel. Many were being converted, baptized, brought into the church. At this time, he is considered an apostle, a leader of the church. And this tension affected Peter. It affects all of us, that tension, that, that, that desire to be pulled out of God, the, the, his grace, his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, his kindness, his goodness. You can, you can add a lot to that list. There's always, always, always going to be that tension, that pull away from those things of God into the rules, the rituals, the regulations, the religion. And my point in, in sharing from my own experience and from Peter's experience is that the same happens to all of us if we're not aware, if we're not careful. It's kind of like the, the villain. Have you ever seen those, uh, not recommending it, but if you've ever seen any of those slasher movies like, you know, Jason from Friday the 13th, you know, Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street. I, I mean, you know, th they, they kill the villain and it just keeps coming alive. It's like, do something, kill this thing. It, it, it's kind of like what those four R's are. Just when you think they're dead, they're done, they come back to life. And we just live in that tension. And again, we just need to be aware of it. We just need to recognize it happens to all of us, even the best of in the Christian world. 
And yet Paul states in, in Galatians 2.16, as part of his rebuke to Peter, he says, yet we know. So what, what, he, what he's going to do is he's, he's going he's to take him now and he's going to pull him back to God, to the good news, to grace. We know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, by not obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. That is a hard lesson for us to learn. It's a hard lesson to remember. It's a hard lesson to walk out in life. That tension is always there. Every time you walk in freedom, there's just always going to be that pull, that tension. The enemy or other people are, are going to try to pull you back into, yeah, but I recognize your freedom, but. And that's, that's what Paul's saying here. We have been made right with God. We have been brought into right standing. We're on good terms with God, Paul's saying, because of what Jesus Christ has done, not because you've been following all of the rules, the rituals, the regulations, not because you've been religious, but because you've been faithful to Jesus Christ. And so Paul's trying to take them out of that and back over to the other side. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. There's just something freeing in that for me. There's something a little scary about that because I kind of I like to know, what do you want me to do, and I'll do it. You can ask Janie about that. <laughs> I like checklists. I really do. Do this, 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 this. I, I remember the last time I, I was at the hospital in Rochester. I'd had a perforation of my small intestine. I had undergone major surgery to have that repaired. And I remember the first time the doctor walked into the room, I didn't care what he had to say, here's what I asked him to do. I want you to tell me what I have to do to get out of here. That was my goal, that was my focus. I want on the board, you write on my board, what I have to do to get out of here, and that is my focus. That is what I'm going to work toward. That's, that's just the way I'm wired. Tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it. So there's, there's kind of this attraction in me to just wanting to obey the law. Just tell me what I got to do, and I'll do it. The problem is, Paul says, there's no freedom in that. Because it will never, ever be enough. And they tried. Lord knows they tried. Moses gave them 10 commandments. They couldn't even do 10. And yet at some point, they ended up with over 600 rules, 
regulations, rituals, and, and basically told people, if you'll do all 640, I think they, they were, if you'll do all 640 of these rules, regulations, rituals, uh, religion, uh, you'll be right with God. And, and the problem was they never, they never were. Because the problem was that in order to do it that way, if you were going to just keep the law, you had to do it always perfectly consistently. Even if you just messed up one. And it could be a minor one. If you just messed up on one, you blew the whole thing. And, and that was the problem. There's none righteous. No, not one, the scripture says. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so Paul's trying to take them out of that rules, ritual, regulation, religion, that obedience to the law, and he's trying to bring them back into God, his grace, his good grace, the good news of the gospel, which is that you've been made right with God through Jesus Christ. You'll never be made righteous by keeping a bunch of rules, religion, regulations, rituals. And that is the very real tension we all face as believers. It's the very real tension I've been under the last couple of days. The internal messaging in my head is trying to take me out of the truth and into bondage. One of those, again, leads to life. One leads to death. One leads to freedom. The other leads to frustration. And there's just always, always going to be that tension. So what is the solution? Well, Paul gives the Galatians some solutions. And the first solution that he says to them is, if you want to avoid this tension, if you, if you want to kind of avoid getting pulled uh, out of that into this, here's the first thing he says, look to the cross. One of the greatest antidotes, Paul says, when we get in those places of tension where we feel that pull is we got to stop and we got to just look to the cross. Here's what he says in Galatians chapter 3 in verse 2. He says, let me ask you this one question. Who has cast an evil spell, or, or some translations may say bewitched. Anybody grow up watching bewitched? Yeah. You know, Samantha and Dora, she was wicked, right? And, and that's what they did. They, they used witchcraft. They, they cast spells on people. And that, that's what Paul's talking about here. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has cast an evil spell on you? Now get this. For the meaning, or we could say the purpose of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. In other words, Paul's saying, don't forget the cross. There, there's power in the cross. There's meaning to the cross. And Paul says the meaning of his death was made clear to you 
And he said, it's, it, it should be so clear to you that, that you should be able to see it as if you had actually been there. He said, it needs to be that clear to you. That you understand the meaning, the purpose, the power of the cross. That when you look at that cross, you understand its meaning, its purpose, its power as if you were actually standing there the day Christ was crucified. That's what Paul says. That's how we counter that, that evil spell, that tension, that pulling. We respond by looking to the cross, recognizing its power, its purpose. It's the antidote. When we forget the power, the benefit, the purpose of the cross of Christ, we open ourselves to that potential of being pulled out of our freedom and into bondage. There'll always be this tension uh, of moving you away from a relationship with God into obedience to the law. There's always going to be this, this tension to go from knowing God to being satisfied just knowing about God. And Paul says every time you feel that tension, every time you feel that, that pulling away, look to the cross. Recognize its power, its purpose, its meaning. So what is the power, the purpose, the meaning of the cross? Let me just give you a few. Paul says in uh, Colossians 1.20, and he said, And through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. Now that word reconciliation is, 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 is Paul saying God brought back peace to a place where there had once been peace. God's restored that. He's reconciled that. He's brought that back. He has restored what was taken. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. If you're on earth, you're included in this. He made peace with everything, you could say everyone in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Reconciliation, peace. He says, when you look at the cross, the power, the meaning, purpose of peace should come to you as if you were there that very day. Colossians 2.14, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Every sin Every fault, every failure, every mistake you have ever made in life. Paul says he took it from you. He canceled it. And he nailed it to the cross. So it's no longer what, what do I need to do to make amends? What do I need to do to, to atone? What do I need to, to do to make it right with God? Paul's simply saying, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you have to do. It's already been done. 
It was done on the cross. And if you look at that, recognize its power and its purpose. It wasn't for you to do anything. It was to, for you to recognize what Christ has done for you. He took every sin, every mistake, every failure. He, he took it from you. He canceled your debt. Think of yourself as having, like, you know, you, you just went on a really wild shopping spree, and you ran up like a million dollars on a credit card. And yeah, you're thinking, man, that's, that's a lot of money. How am I ever, ever, ever going to pay that? I, I, I can't work enough jobs. I can't work enough hours in the day to ever make that up. Man, what am I going to do? And then the credit card company sends you a letter in the mail and says, you know what? Your, your debt's been fully paid. It's been, it's been canceled. That's the idea here. Our debt of sin is so huge. It's so great. It's so enormous. There's nothing we can do to rectify that or to make that right. And that's why Jesus came. Because he could and he did. And that's why we just simply look at that. Because there is power. There is meaning. There is freedom. There is purpose in the cross. So every time there's this, this pull to I gotta do something. To just recognizing it's all been done. It's all been provided for. It's been taken care of. And I get freedom. I get grace. I get forgiveness. I get joy unspeakable. I get eternal life. I deserve eternal death. But because of that cross, because of the power of that cross, because of the power of Jesus's sacrifice, I get freedom. I get joy. I get peace. I am in a right relationship with God. So there's a, a few more, and I, I'm kind of out of time. So let me, let me just give you the, the last two, because there's three things that Paul tells us to look, look to in here. He says, first of all, look to the cross. Second thing he says is look to the Spirit. We kind of, I think we kind of really explored and experienced that this morning in worship. That, again, th there's just the flesh, the flesh which we all struggle with. There, there is a fleshliness about us that just refuses to die. And sometimes it just, it just rears up its ugly head. We say something and we're like, man, where did that come from? Or we do something and we're thinking, man, what was I thinking? I'm a, I'm a Christian and I said that? I'm a believer and I did that? Really? Where did that come? That's the flesh. And what God wants to do is he wants to bring us into the spirit walk. That we're walking by the spirit. We're not walking in the flesh. Paul says when you walk in the flesh, you're going to manifest the things of the flesh. It's just what flesh does. Flesh manifests certain things. She says, don't walk in the flesh, walk in the spirit. Because just like the flesh, when you're walking in the spirit, the spirit's gonna manifest certain 
things. You're going to begin to see and experience certain things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So we look to the Spirit, and we recognize it's the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead us. He's going to guide us. Uh, Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper. How many of you need a helper? We all need a helper. Help me. That's what a helper does. Help me. I can't do this alone. I've tried to do it alone, and, and I see the mess. I see the destruction. I see the damage in going this alone. God says, that's why I don't want you to go it alone. I've given you my spirit. I've given you a community of believers, a family that will help you, that will encourage you, that will pray for you. So the, the, the spirit, it wants to lead us into all truth. It wants to begin to manifest those fruits of the Spirit in us. So we look to the cross, we look to the Spirit, and we look to the Word. Is the third, third thing. We look to the Word. One of the best scriptures that really kind of highlights the purpose, the power of the Word is 2 Timothy 3.16, and I'm going to close with this this morning. All Scripture... All Scripture, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation chapter 21, all Scripture, everything, from the opening word in Genesis 1-1 to the closing word in Revelation, all Scripture, every 66 books of the Bible is inspired. It is God-breathed. It is God's Word to you and me. Paul says all scripture is inspired. It is God's, uh, God breathed, and it is useful. This is what it does, Paul's saying. This is its purpose. This is its function, is to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in Kate's life. That's, that's what the scripture does. It allows me to see what's wrong in Bruce's life and, and Mara's life and Dan's life. Oh, don't even get me started on Dan. No, 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 no. It, it's useful when I begin to apply it to myself. When I begin to allow the word to show me what is wrong in my life. I can't, I can't help you get it right in your life if it ain't right in my life. I got to get it right in my life first before I'll ever stand a chance of helping you get it right in your life. But most Christians, we're really, really good at this. We're really, really good at using the word to fix other people first. Because you know what? If I can fix everybody else, I don't have to fix me. I see you all shaking your heads on that one. That, that must have hit home. Because it's true. I do it, you do it, we all do it. But that's not its purpose. Paul says it corrects us when we are wrong. And it teaches us to do what is right. Again, it's not to perform. It's not to get into rules, rituals, regulations. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. 
And you, don't, and you don't do any of that to get his love. You do that because of his love. God uses his word, and that's why we look to it, to prepare and equip his people for every good work. I want to do good works. I want to be rewarded in eternity for good works. I don't do good works to get saved. I do good works because I'm saved, because I want to be a blessing to other people. So I want to be able to do the good things that God has called and equipped me to do. And his word is part of that process that he wants to use. So I'm just telling you, I'm preaching to me this morning. Matter of fact, let me just finish the message here. If you are here this morning and you are having these internal conversations in your head, in your heart, in your life, and I don't know what the conversations are, it doesn't really matter, but whatever those conversations are, it's, it's trying to lure you, it's trying to pull you away from God, uh, from walking in his grace, from responding to the good news, and, and, and it's trying to pull you, it's trying to bring you back under bondage to rules, religion, rituals, regulations. If you're having that tension, if you're having those conversations this morning, Will you look to the cross? Will you look to the Spirit? Will you look to the Word? Do any of you this morning see that tension, recognize that tension, and you're just ready to say this morning, I just wanna, I wanna stop that conversation in my head and my heart. I don't wanna go in that direction. I recognize that tension. I know it's real. I see the way it operates sometimes in my life. And I just don't want to do that anymore. Would you stand? There, I, I responded to my own message because I've been struggling with those voices in my head this week. I've been struggling with that tension in my heart this week. And not just this week, every week. And I'm not here to say it's okay. I'm here to say God has an answer. God has a solution. And I just want to encourage my brothers and sisters this morning. We're in this together. We're in this together. So I just encourage all of you this morning I'm not looking for any kind of a response, a, a promise list, or, you know, a bunch of rules that you're going to start following the moment you walk out. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't want you to do any of that this morning. I want you to just look to the cross. Look to the Spirit. Look to the Word. Let God speak to you. Let God lead you into that place of freedom this morning. It is for freedom. Paul says that you've been set free. So let's going to invite the worship team to come up this morning. And Father, we just thank you.
We thank you, Lord, that our struggle is not unique. It's nothing new. It's not just us. The enemy tries to convince us it's just us. But we thank you that we can see people like Peter, apostles, leaders, born-again, spirit-filled people who have struggled with this as well. And we thank you for people like Paul who had the courage to call him out, to call him back to that place of grace, of good news, of freedom. So God, I just, I pray this week, I pray this morning, I pray as we go into this week, every time those conversations in our head and our hearts start up, every time we feel that tension, we feel that pull to go out of grace and into bondage, away from the good news of the gospel to the bad news, that God, again, we will look to the cross, we'll look to your spirit that never leaves us, will never forsake us. It's not gonna leave us orphaned. We can look to your spirit. You're gonna guide us and you're gonna lead us back into all truth. And we look to your word. And Father, we pray, Lord, as we look to your word, may it have its power and purpose in us first and foremost that it would remove the log from our eyes, that we might see clearly to remove the log from our brother and sister's eyes. God, let it begin with us. Amen? Amen. 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 Father, we just again thank you for the body, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, as we again just close in worship and we receive that this morning, Father, again, we just thank you that in away, Lord, as we take that body, as we take that juice which represents your blood, Lord. Again, it's as if it just transports us to the foot of the cross. There's a part of us that, that can kind of see that, that day that your body was broken, that your blood was shed, Lord. And so we do that in remembrance. A remembrance that maybe we might actually see a picture as if we had been there. So, Father, we just thank you for the blood and the body of the Lord Jesus Christ broken, shed for us. And we thank you for the freedom that it brings to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.